0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're in the final Sunday of this little sermon series on these encounters between Jesus and certain people in John's Gospel. And one thing I've tried to do every Sunday in this past month is help us see that the Jesus who loves these people, who is kind to them, who is patient with them, who comforts them, grieves with them. He's not just a historical figure. He is the very Lord here today. In your hearts, in your singing, in our preaching, in the reading of scripture. And so on this last Sunday, we're going to wrap this up and make the turn to Holy Week now, with Palm Sunday being next Sunday. How did that happen? Right, here we are with Jesus comforting the grieving. Mary and Martha, they send this word to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And what does Jesus do? He, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, first it says Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. John makes a point of saying that. Jesus loved them. So... When he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed put for two more days. He didn't get up and leave immediately. What is going on there? Some of you might have felt something like that before in your life. You cry out, you send word to God through your prayers, and Jesus loves you, and all all you can assume is, okay, Jesus loves me, so he's waiting two more days. Whatever else he's doing, he's not coming to me. Jesus tries in one way to say to his disciples, they're going to go back up to Judea and the disciples don't get it. So Jesus says plainly to them, guys, Lazarus isn't just asleep. We're not going to wake him up. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad we weren't there. This is when he kind of reveals what's going on. I'm glad we weren't there because I'm going to do something greater than just prevent him from dying. I'm going to perform my greatest miracle. I'm glad I wasn't there, so that you may believe. At the end of John's gospel, he has a purpose statement for writing the whole thing. He says, "I could write pages and pages and pages. It would take up all the pages and all the books on earth to recount all, or to write down all of the words and deeds of Jesus. But these are written, and we even sing this in one of the settings of the Divine Service. Right? These things are written that you may believe. What? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. That's why Jesus waited two days. And it says that Jesus loved them. Jesus does things for us that seem hard or difficult because he loves us. And his love leads him to want to build our faith in him. So Jesus comforts Martha first. Martha goes out to meet Jesus But Mary stays in the house. And Martha says, if you had been here, Lord, my brother wouldn't have died. And I used to hear this as she's angry at Jesus. And I think that's still part of what's going on. Like, Jesus, where were you? If you were here, this wouldn't have happened. And once again, this is one of these things that maybe feels familiar to us. Where were you, God? Jesus, if you really loved me, if you really loved my loved one, they wouldn't have died. If you were here, things would have been better. And I think in addition to that, this is also a confession of faith because she wouldn't say that if Martha didn't believe that Jesus actually had the power to make a difference. Saying, Jesus, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died is a confession of faith that Jesus has the power to stop death. And she says, even now after my brother is dead, even now that you're here, I believe God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, oh Lord, I believe that. I know the resurrection is coming at the last day. And then Jesus says this thing to her. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, you believe in the resurrection at the last day. Do you believe me? Do you believe this, that I am the resurrection that you're looking for? I am the life that you're hanging on to that hope against all hope. Do you believe that it's me? and martha says yes yes lord i believe that you are the christ the son of god who is coming into the world and all of her grief disappears no no what's one of the things that we see in this story is you can have the total right belief you can have a face to face encounter with jesus himself and he says to you I am the resurrection and the life. The greatest promise God could ever make to us. And he could say, do you believe this? And we say, yes. And yet, as long as we still live in this creation, corrupted by sin, we still have to deal with death. And we see that as we move on through this narrative. Martha sends word to her sister Mary, who had stayed in the house, that Jesus wants to see her. So she gets up and goes out to meet Jesus. And this isn't like a long journey, right? John says in the text, Bethany was about two miles away from Jerusalem, which is what, like a third of the distance between here and Gibbon? Not very far at all. So she gets up and goes, Mary does, outside of, and meets Jesus outside of the village. And all of the, 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 the mourning party, right? Not like time of day, but mourning with a U. The grievers, the mourners who were there to support Mary, either because they were family or friends, Sometimes you would hire a group of people who would come and professionally mourn a death, right? This was a big social function. They all thought, oh, she's getting up to go to the grave again. Well, let's go with her. That's what we're here for. We're here to support her. So they all get up and they follow Mary too. But Mary's not going out to the grave. She's going out to see Jesus. And it might feel like deja vu all over again here because Mary has almost the exact same conversation with Jesus that her sister Martha did. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And at this point, the interaction changes because Jesus doesn't say to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He doesn't go through this whole thing with Mary like he did with Martha. Instead, John tells us that Jesus sees Mary weeping and he sees all the mourners weeping. And he himself is, what? Deeply troubled, deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. This is, Jesus is very, um, he's rattled out of whatever state of mind he was in to have this conversation that he had with Martha about being the resurrection and the life. He sees Mary. He sees everyone weeping. And our Lord himself is overcome. Jesus, right, in whom the fullness of God dwells, does not, by being fully God, have some kind of distance between us and our feelings and our sorrows. He's, he's not detached or unmoved by our pain. His love for us is so great, not just for for Mary and Martha and Lazarus, right? This whole whole story, multiple times, John makes a point to say Jesus loved them. Jesus loved them. In a minute, when Jesus weeps, John is going to put, see how he loved them, into the mouths of everyone else, right? This Jesus love for these sisters and their brother who has died is all over this text. And you know what? (laughs) You know who else Jesus loves? You. Jesus loves you. And he is greatly troubled, deeply moved by your pain, by your grief. Again, this is not just a story about something that happened thousands of years ago. And why is Jesus moved? It's because death is not part of the original design of this creation. Death is a consequence of our sin. It's not supposed to be the end of our story, but it is for all of us. God didn't make death and call it good. Death is this horrible, profane, disgusting intrusion into what God had made and was all very good. And now the Lord and giver of life, our Lord Jesus Christ is reckoning with the reality of that. And he weeps. He says to them, where have you laid him? Not because Jesus didn't know, but I think that's Jesus' way of saying, let's get to work. Let's do something about this. Take me to him. and Jesus is going to do something about this through tears and through great emotion. And when Jesus instructs that the stone is rolled away, Martha comes up to him and says, "Lord, read the room. He's been in there 4 days. What what do you think we're going to see? What do you think we're going to smell? Why haven't we been through enough?" You could like Remember what they said. If you were here, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And now you come late. And you want us to, you know, in our terms, dig up his body after it's already started to decompose. They didn't have embalming. The best they could do was get a bunch of perfumes and oils and lotions and pour that stuff on a body and then wrap a person up in strips of linen cloth. Kind of in in layers which is what Lazarus stumbles out of the grave he's all still wrapped up and that that helped a little bit but lord there's going to be an odor are you serious and jesus says to martha remember it's martha whom he told i am the resurrection and the life he says martha what do you think i meant when i told you i am the resurrection I meant what I said, Martha. You, you have your hope in the resurrection of the dead on the last day. Martha, I'm telling you, it's here now. Roll the stone away. And they do. And he says, Lazarus, get out of there. I mean, maybe not that. The text says, Lazarus, come out. Or Lazarus, come forth. And we don't know if it was a minute or five minutes or you know, people were like, what's going on in there? But sure enough, Lazarus... Comes, and his body's all wrapped up and he's stumbling out of the grave. And Jesus says, Unwrap him, let him go. And that's, that's it. We don't hear it, there's no conversation with Lazarus. Isn't that crazy? There's no like interaction. Lazarus is like hardly part of this story at all. He's Lazarus, the guy who was raised back to life, is a minor character with no dialogue. grief, anger, confusion, frustration, and faith all meet in this expression. Lord, if you had been here. If you had been here, things would have been different. <laughs> Friends, this is a great thing. This I mean, just if if you don't know what to pray, if you're feeling mad at God or frustrated or discouraged or you're in the depth of your grief, say it to him. If you had been here, Things would have been different. That's not a sign of weak faith. Remember, this is a this is a confession of faith, like Mary and Martha made. God, you had the power to do something about this. Why didn't you? That's a legitimate thing to say. That's not off limits. You can put I mean you can question God like that. And it's better that you do that than that. You don't pray at all. Faith in Jesus doesn't mean that we're supposed to somehow weather the storms of life without bending or breaking or showing any kinds of stress. As a confirmation of this, remember, Jesus himself was what? Deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Some translations say Jesus was indignant, like he was mad. Not at Mary or Martha or any of the people around, but the situation, like it's, it's not right. That wasn't very impressive. There we go. It's not right. This is not how it's supposed to be. That's what your Lord feels about your pain and your suffering and your loss, especially death. Jesus' grief and his compassion and his love for these people are all over this text. Why is that? It's because it's so that you would know. Remember what John said? These things are written. The things that are written in John's gospel of all the things that Jesus did are written so that you may believe that Jesus loves you the exact same way that Jesus loves Mary and Martha, to comfort them in their grief, to weep with them. And it's not just written for us for that reason. It's written for us for this other reason too. Because in all of us is a Mary and a Martha, right? And in all of us as well is a Lazarus because friends, we are all going to die. That day is coming. The wages of sin is death. Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead was a miracle done to prove what Jesus said about himself. Raising Lazarus is a sign that gives credibility to Jesus' claim, I am the resurrection and the life, and to prove it, I'll show you right now. It's not the other way around, where Jesus was sent to the earth to raise Lazarus from the dead, and all that other stuff is to just prove that he was able to do that. No, that would be to put the whole thing backwards. This text doesn't end with a focus on Lazarus. Lazarus doesn't say anything, there's no conversation between them. If you read on in John 11, the scene changes away from Lazarus and the, and the whole crew there pretty quickly. There's this anointing of Jesus, right, with the perfume that Mary does. But then you go right to the Pharisees, and they hear that Jesus raised this guy from the dead. And the Pharisees, right, the religious leaders are like, okay, we got to kill him, and we got to kill Lazarus too. Because if Jesus keeps doing these things, the whole world is going to go after him. And then Rome is going to come in and we're going to lose our kingdom. We're going to lose our land. We're going to lose our temple. Everything is going to fall apart. And Caiaphas, the high priest, says, you guys don't get anything here. You don't know that it's better that one man should die for the people than that the whole nation should perish. Which sounds an awful lot like the gospel, doesn't it? So the high priest who ended up being in charge of the process that led to Jesus' death, wanted to kill him for the sake of the nation, kill him for the sake of the people. And he was right, even though he didn't know it. The big picture here is that the text goes from Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead to Jesus entering Jerusalem to go to the cross. Lazarus grew old and died again. Lazarus' grave marker probably says, if you could find it, Here lies Lazarus, twice dead. I mean, who else could say that, right? Take the chance if you got it. The resurrection of Lazarus isn't the big main point of this. The point is that Jesus is the resurrection. What Jesus does for us through his death and resurrection is open the way to eternal life for all who believe in him because on the cross, he endured God's wrath that was rightly ours to endure. And in the grave, well, he was laid in the tomb so that the prince of heaven might pass through death and open the way for us who believe in him to do the same. Jesus is like our trailblazer. He opens the way for us to follow. He's like Moses putting the staff in the Red Sea and the waters part and leading his people through what would otherwise kill them, what would otherwise be their utter ruin. Jesus is our greater Moses in that way through death. That's why we say we're baptized into Jesus' death and his resurrection. He rose from the dead so that we might have complete faith in his promises. Because friends, if Jesus said all this stuff about himself, I am the resurrection and the life. Destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. If anyone lives and believes in me, he'll never die. And then he was crucified. And then he just, that was all anybody ever heard of him. If he didn't rise from the dead, then is all that stuff he said about himself true? I don't, I don't know. But he did, in fact, rise from the dead. So that we have complete faith in his promises. The, the way through death's dark portal, right? Jesus, let me back up a second. Jesus has turned death into a doorway. It's not, a, it's not the end of the story. It's the doorway through which we pass into eternal life. For Christians, death is not a thing that has the last word. I'm not going to say death isn't scary because it is. But we're following where our master has gone before us. So we can sing like, this is my friend in whose sweet praise I all my days could gladly spend. Jesus grieves alongside of us now. And like he comforted Mary and Martha, he comforts us with the promise of life, with the promise of the resurrection. Death does not have the final word as frightening and scary as it is, right? Remember, once again, Jesus, it's it's every, you know, eighth grade boys hope to get this as their confirmation verse. Because it's the shortest verse in the whole Bible. Jesus wept. And Jesus did something about it. He didn't just weep and wonder, God, what what are we going to do? Jesus knew what to do. He himself died and he rose from the dead to eternal life, all because he loved Lazarus and Mary and Martha and you. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen.